Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm going to call it a very special episode of That Early Childhood Nerd because I've been looking forward to this one for a while. It's been rescheduled a few times and we had a little trouble getting on today, but we're all here today finally. Um, I'm Heather Burnt Santi and Carol Garboden Murray is here. Hello. And um, Melissa Luby is here, brand new to the show. Hi. So Carol, a lot of you have heard from as you listen. And um, Melissa actually is a friend of mine and used to bring her son to my preschool and, um, and said something on social media one day that made me think I needed to connect these two. So, um, so welcome to both of you. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to just do a quick background of how we got here and you two can fill in if I'm remembering incorrectly or something you want to add. Um, but maybe two ish months ago, um, Carol, you posted, um, a link to a blog post that you did for community Playthings. I think that was about really how, um, I don't remember the title, but we can still show care and connect even though we're wearing masks. Um, and Melissa, you had read that and you shared that it, um, that that post just really spoke to you. Yeah. Um, so, so Melissa, I'm going to put you on the spot for a minute and ask you to talk about um, what you're currently doing with young children and why Carol's post initially hit you. And then we'll do the, the, the quote and jump into our conversation. Okay. I'd love to, I've been so looking forward to this conversation. Um, I'm a first time guest, long time listener. <laughs> to the early childhood nerd. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, and Carol, I've really enjoyed your book. So it's an honor. Uh, so the post really spoke to me because this is my first year working at my children's school. I am a lunchroom supervisor. So I'm responsible for uh, two first grade tables and two third grade tables. Um, it's a class per table. So I help them with their needs during lunch and then I take them out to recess and we play at recess and then I bring them back to their classrooms. So that's what I'm doing. I started in September and the reason why I was so interested in this job was because um, the hours are great. It's only a few hours a day and um, it's a way for me to kind of start working a little bit professionally uh, and still be home when my kids get off the bus and everything. And plus uh, there's no parent volunteers at school this year because of COVID. Mm. And so I thought if I can't volunteer, (laughs) I 
have to get a job there. And that's how my mind works. So that's awesome. Uh, but it is, it is so much more meaningful than I thought it would be. And I hope we can talk more about that too. Yeah. About yeah. Work. yeah. So, so Carol, um, as people who've been listening, know you're working on a book that should be out very soon. We keep saying that, but we really mean it this time. And <laughs> maybe by the time this comes out, the book is in everybody's hands, but, um, so talk, we talked just a little bit about sure, that sure. and then the- we'll jump. Sure. The book we'll is, jump in, but we're going to get yes, there. yes. The book is called Illuminating Care, and I I wrote quite a few articles for Exchange on this same topic of care and the false dichotomy, the split between care and education, and that's how I met Heather during the pandemic. I reached out, and she was I think reading one of my articles with Lisa Murphy or something like that, which really was so exciting to yeah. me. Um, and so we've been talking about this book that has been a long, long labor. It's coming out. It really is. It it's really at the printers. Promise it's a real book. <laughs> it's at the printers right now. It will Yay. be out. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's what I pulled from, from the section that you sent us, Carol, that I think is really relevant to what Melissa has been experiencing and want, and what I want to hear her talk more about. So um, you talk a little bit about the push down curriculum, the academic push down that we're all really familiar with. And then you suggest um, a reverse for us to imagine. And you say, I imagine the reverse and think about what our elementary and high schools could be if early childhood teachers could push the basic principles of quality early childhood education back up. Imagine if play and care, movement and experiential learning could spread upwards into the elementary school, middle school, and creep right on up to high school too. Imagine how empathy would grow and connectivity and belonging would spread in our communities if care was a core value in all of those settings. Um, I added all of those settings. That's, that's me. <laughs> and I think that's beautiful. And I, um, I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, so I, I really am just here to hear you and Melissa talk about this and to, to laugh and, and interject every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking a lot about this false dichotomy, this dualism between education and care that we experience in early childhood education and, and where, care is subordinate to education, not as important. And I think the public school is such a great example of how that can happen, right? And yeah. how we, we don't think about this habitat that the child inhabits all day mm-hmm. um, from the bus ride to the walking in the hallway to you know standing in line to the cafeteria time to the blacktop, the playground. <laughs> all those places where kids, um, kids exist, kids are growing, kids are learning. Um, and there, there's that split between being in the classroom and then and all those other parts yeah. of the day. I have to say when I was a special ed teacher, I worked in the public school for a few years and I had to design special curriculums for certain kids who were kind of mainstreamed, but I had to kind of keep track of their progress. And I remember the administrators telling me, you know, Carol, think about like two hours a day, two hours a day of of solid instruction for these kids, um, because that's about what a kid gets in in school. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Two hours a day, because everything else is assembly and cafeteria and playground and getting in line and washing hands uh-huh. and all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. All the things that Melissa's helping them through. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so what's your connection, Melissa? What do you, how do you, how um, do you do it? So, okay. So full disclosure, full disclosure, um, my 
older son, Henry, is in second grade now. And when he was in kindergarten and first grade, he had a really hard time at lunch. I think it was the time of the day where there's a lack of structure and it's loud uh-huh. and there's a lot of sensory input. It There's different smells. It's just, I don't know. And he would hide under his lunchbox. Um, oh. And he, he kept saying, mom, I'm just not used to eating at school. I'm, I'm not, re- I'm not ready. I, I like to eat lunch at home. And so the first year, two years of school, he didn't eat any of his lunch at all at school. And like the school counselor offered to let him sit in like a quiet room by himself. And if that might be better, and she sat down next to him one day with, and without her even saying anything, he said, I am not going to the quiet room. Like he did not want to be othered. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So, and from my own school experience, for me, I was always the new kid. So I always felt like lunch and recess are like kind of vulnerable times mm. for kids because, you know, they're not like, in their seat, in their class. Um, and so I, I took the job because I was like, I don't know, like um, if I'm aware that kids might be a little vulnerable at this time and um, I'm thankful for the people that helped my son uh, get more comfortable and because now he eats his lunch every single day <laughs> and he feels comfortable enough to do so. It only took him two years to get there. Um, but What's my connection? Connection. Yes. So when I started this job, uh, I went in with a fee. I, I felt like um, the teacher, I, I assumed I had this feeling like the teachers don't respect us. They don't care. They just drop off their kids and go on their lunch break. And we're just supposed to deal with, you know, the wild behavior and, and then take them out to recess. And there's all these behavioral situations. And and um, I had a coworker who, who told me, she's like, well, we're not teachers. We're not real teachers. We don't matter. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, we don't matter. And no one gives, <laughs> no one cares. And um, that's all my, been part of that conversation in some form. <laughs> um, that was my attitude. Like, I really, I had this feeling that I was, that I was like in a ser- servant type role and that my job just really, you know, wasn't that important. You know, I'm not an educator. I'm, I'm just, I just work in the lunchroom. And um, I don't remember what happened, but I, I had this, this feeling one day where I, I said, you know what? Um, every kid who's there is someone's baby. And I was thinking about my own two children who I get to quickly say hi to when I'm there. Um, and I said, well, if I'm, if I thought it was that important for my child, and it was something I thought about every day that he didn't eat his lunch, and I am in the position of being with these kids every single day, if I choose not to make that meaningful, that is on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting paid. I have a super supportive boss. Uh, I have great relationships with the teachers because I, I have chosen not to view myself as less important. It just was this simple, super simple <laughs> mind shift. Um, and I, I wish I could say it were more complicated than that, but I, <laughs> I, I simply had this, 
this, this belief that what I do matters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when I read the posting about, um, uh, the extension of care, um, like the mask covers our, our smile and everything, uh, it just spoke to me so much because I, 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 I mean, like, cause I've only worked at this school with a mask on, like I've never worked oh, in the yeah. school pre COVID. So uh, my experiences with my students and I, they're my students, um, are only with masks. And so I have students now who will say, your eyes look so happy today. <laughs> or, your eyes look pretty tired today. Uh -huh. And I'll say, you know what? My eyes really are, are tired today. <laughs> well <laughs> um, spotted. <laughs> well spotted. And like, it's growing all of our, um, it's, the, it's, it's a stretch. Like, it's kind of like um, we, we all have, have that stretch, but I don't, I, it's, it's not impeding anything for me. I don't think, um, cause it's, it's like all I know, it's all I know right now. Uh, okay. So I had that mental shift of, well, what I do does matter. And, and so I started, uh, reading a little bit more about things that Carol has posted and kind of, um, looking at care work as, as an honor and a privilege and, and how important it is and how much of children's learning is, is shaped by the care that they receive and participate in, like the care they participate in. So uh, now I look at my, my work as an honor. I look at uh, the care work that I do as, as a, like an absolute privilege and um, it's changed everything. It really has, like it has made me feel like, oh, this is just a little, a little job I'm doing to, this is my favorite job I've ever had. <laughs> I love so it. Great. I mean, you should be an ambassador for all. Right? The <laughs> like, that could be the episode. <laughs> like, that's all I, 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 I think it's like, I remember having experiences in, in when my kids were in elementary school and being frustrated by the, by the cafeteria people or the bus drivers and feeling like, man, they just don't seem like they care, you know? And and, and then, then, then thinking about it and thinking like, well, they probably are acting like they don't care because they don't feel good about their jobs. And, and maybe they haven't been pulled into the school culture. Maybe no one right. has said, you know, we need you to build a culture of care with us. You are essential to this child's experience, you know? So again, that thought like, are the leaders at our schools creating cultures with all the people that are working in the cafeterias, that are helping on the playgrounds, that are driving the buses. Um, these, these are the things we remember from our childhood more right. than being in the classroom really, right? And, and it's around the bodily functions that we remember, you know, meals. <laughs> yes. like, like I remember not being able to eat too when I was little because I was so nervous in the cafeteria. Um, so there's this thing anyone can do it, right? It's just, yeah, anyone it. can do it. Anyone can do it. So the people that are doing it aren't feeling valued. They mm -hmm. must have perhaps had uh, impulse that I, this will be great to be around kids. Um, 
but did they have, were they pulled into professional development to say, you know, here's some ideas for, here's some strategies when kids are arguing mm -hmm. in the, in, on the playground, or here's some ideas for when kids seem lonely during lunchtime, you know, how can we make this whole habitat um, yeah. more conducive to a child's well-being and learning? I've had, um, I've had a couple conversations already today um, based on an experience where I was frustrated with something I had seen that was impacting children. And um, both people said to me um, something along the lines of, but if no one's ever presented you with an option, like this is the way you came in thinking the job should happen. And if no one's ever presented you with an option, then you stay there. And um, what I sort of hear, and, and honestly, Melissa, I think you would have been a very caring person in this role, regardless of whether you'd ever stumbled across Carol's blog. But, but also what I heard you say was um, two things shifted your perspective, your own experience with your child. And then that, that moment of every child in this room is somebody's child. Like everybody here is somebody's baby. That's so powerful. And then also just hearing another way of thinking about care from Carol's blog or wherever it would have been and connecting all that. And so you, you got a little bit of a different perspective and you thought, Oh, I'm going to try that. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you sort of downplayed it. Like it was a really simple process, but I think that's really, you've done a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's made every day uh, more enjoyable. I mean, uh, I, I, like, but it also makes me look at everything more, I guess, not, I don't know, like a little more closely, um, say, you know, um, consequences that are given for, for behavior and things like that. Like, I got really sad about a girl who, um, like, she's a kid, you look, you look into her eyes, and it's kind of like, like, her eyes are sad a lot. She's got sad eyes a lot. And, um, she had received a, uh, it, it had been told to me that she would be sitting out all of recess. She would be sitting on a bench all of recess. So this is a kid that's already like struggling mm -hmm. and she made a poor choice or something. And <laughs> it was, it was on me to make sure she sat all of recess and kids were asking, you know, what, what did she do? Why does she have to sit out and you know, that's, that's not your business. That is her private business. And, um, and it just like, it hurt me. Like it, like it felt um, like I didn't see her make the poor choice, but I had to carry out the consequence. And I <laughs> felt like having a child sit by themselves while everyone else is playing, it just felt, it felt cruel to me. And yeah. I don't think she would learn like whatever, like from that experience. And so then I was reading more about, uh, you know, things Carol had written about like withholding food and withholding exercise as, you know, there it's, I think it's, it's cruel, you know? Um, um, and when I, I talked to someone at school about it and, and she said, Melissa, what are we supposed to do? You know, like, like what, what are we, so there's like 700 kids here. Like, what are we supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know, uh, but on that day, the, the girl who had to sit out, um, one of her friends asked, can I sit on the bench with her? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, one of the paras 
who was out at recess with me was like, no, she's, she's being punished. And I was like, this is my recess. This is my, uh, I'm in charge. And I think if her friend chooses to sit on the bench, that's fine. Like it gave me like some measure of of comfort, but I was uncomfortable. My discomfort gets in the way um, of, of things like that. And thank you so much for being uncomfortable and being brave enough (laughs) to feel that a lot of people feel it, but they think that maybe they're wrong. Uh If they go against a higher authority, you know, you have that gut impulse that that's abusive to take away someone's right, take away someone's break, their, their movement opportunity. And it, it speaks to what you said in this, this quote we started with Carol, where you talked about empathy and connectivity and belonging. And those are all things that, you know, any school would say, yeah, we want that for our school community. Um, And then it's this, like this one little thing where that child was feeling not connected and maybe she came outside seeing Melissa thinking, okay, now I have a new chance for connection. And then still no connection and then the little girl comes along and you let her sit with her and suddenly she's connected again (laughs) and I feel good about that little girl's afternoon now because she had that moment and it's Um, it's, I'm sorry no they're just there are more and more schools that are that are trying to to make this a policy you can't withhold recess as a punishment Mm -hmm. but it is it is still a controversial topic even though research and we have tons of supportive articles and and examples of, of places who have eliminated this policy where kids have actually done better, it still seems there is this entrenched idea that that is a right you could take away from a child. And that's, I mean, that's what's in that question that the, the parent asked you, Melissa, when they said, well, what are we supposed to do? I get that 700 kids is a lot of kids. And, mm-hmm. um, but I would say, what are we supposed to do? Well, if I make a difference here in this little small circle with this one little girl and the other little girl who joined her, repeated experiences of those kinds of decisions will answer that well what are we supposed to do question yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think and i think what are we supposed to do i think as a as a nation as a as a public school we need to do what's right for children right. and and that's that there's a, that's a lot of gray area for a lot of different people <laughs> yeah but yeah. but but some of us would argue that that some of the practices that are in place are are really close to corporal punishment we've tried to get away from spanking kids in public school yeah um, withholding their recess making them feel shameful around well, their body the goal is still food. to make them sad yeah what they yeah. did in some way and we know that yeah. sad sad people and angry people don't do as well as we're in the midst of this big shift, right? Hopefully shifting away from those punishment and reward kind of ways of thinking about young children. So I have the best boss though. I really do. Uh, She's the Dean of students and she is a remarkable human and was the school counselor and is very, you know, skillfully trained and does her job very skillfully and calmly. And I, I told her one day, I said, you never, with the stuff that you deal with and the things that I've seen you handle, like you never seem to be hateful or (laughs) nasty or, or like, you don't seem like stretched by it. She doesn't give a sense of being like stretched. And she's like, I am stretched and I do feel frustrated and angry some days, but I don't know. I said, well, you are absolutely doing what you, you should be. And um, I'm just so grateful. She's my supervisor. And uh, t- yesterday, our third graders, they had a consequence where they had 
to go out five minutes later to recess because there was a great deal of disrespect going on in the cafeteria. So they just had to sit quietly for five minutes. It was, it was five minutes. And, um, and at the end of the five minutes, Mrs. Holmes got uh, back on the microphone and she said, that was excellent. That was excellent. Um, and I want you to know that I still think you are remarkable <laughs> and I want you to have a great recess. But, 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 but when you're asked to do something like, like quietly prepare for your supervisor to come get your trash, I need you to do it. Um, and like, she just spoke in such a respectful way. And like, you know, no one, I mean, like, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty thankless job, but I mean, when she said like, you are all remarkable or she, she'll always say something like that. Like I, I deeply respect you or I'm very uh -huh. grateful that you're here. I mean, um, I mean, maybe for some kids it feels hollow, but I, I know that it's genuine. And I feel like it's like, why not? I mean, why not add those those kind sentiments? Because who knows what else they're hearing during the day? I don't know. Um, at least I know when my students are with me, we're gonna have fun. Um, I won't tolerate like any hurtful or disrespectful behavior. I won't. Um, not going to let anyone blow my whistle. Uh, <laughs> they ask. Yeah, I believe that. My turn to yeah. blow the whistle. <laughs> so what I what I think I am what I'm imagining now, Melissa, is uh, the the dean of students I, or whoever is talking over that and that microphone and saying those kind, respectful, uh, calm things. So, you know, has like sort of this overarching message and then the individual interactions that you're having with the children reinforce that. So they hear it and then they experience it with you and they believe it um, where they could hear that, but then get treated very rudely or, um, you know, sort of hard heartedly, I would say even sometimes. Um, and they, and then there's a mismatch and they're like, okay, I heard you, but what I'm feeling is not that but I what I what I'm seeing hearing is that Melissa when they're with you because you've made this decision to see them as every somebody's baby yeah um, and worthy of respect and care um, at least the ones that come into contact with you are experiencing that I think that even like in schools you know we all like like you said we all want kids to feel respected we all agree that we you know we might um want kids to be kind and, and maybe we have an anti-bullying assembly um, or, you know, um, I was in a school recently where they had these little bees everywhere and their slogan was be kind and they just <laughs> were repeating this be kind mantra. Um, and, and those intentions are all good and those assemblies could be powerful, but it's so true what you said, if the culture of care exists in the school and they are being modeled by the adults the way the adults speak to each other, by the way the adults mm -hmm. speak to children, at these moments when they are when they are in their in their humanness, when they're <laughs> on the playground, or when they wet their pants, or when they're eating lunch, when they are cared for and respected, then those messages can, like you said, they they we can all have this this true, honest, authentic intention. But mm -hmm. it's so true when there's that disconnect, a child is so intuitively 
in tune, intelligent, <laughs> right? They know, yeah, right? they know when the adults are full of bullshit. They know. <laughs> yeah. They know when the school's saying be kind, but they feel like people aren't kind to them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say, I wanted to say, oh, I feel um I read somewhere, I don't know if it's in the book or one of your posts that about um when we feel as care workers that we're starting to feel like we're doing our work in kind of in a, in an abrupt, like clipped way and how like, it's so easy to fall into that. Cause you're like, I have five minutes to turn this cafeteria around. Yeah. I got to get trays. I got to spray little hands. Then the hands are all held out like this waiting for spray. And it's like, I remember that was like one of the, the things when I first started the job, I was like, it's just such a, like a trusting gesture, like to hold your, your hands out like that for, for sanitizer. And I feel like really lucky that I get to do it and, and that I'm part of like helping the whole, I mean, part of the, of all of us together, trying to help school stay open and keep us all healthy. And I love that. Um, but when I feel like agitated or I'm starting to do my work in an abrupt clipped way. I mean, that can go downhill instantly. I don't know. I'm sure any other care worker can relate, but um, I could see someone just getting in a mindset or a place where that's just how they do their work every day. Yeah. And um, when I feel that way, I have to check myself because it's not, the outcome is not it's not going to be good for anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's so great to have that awareness, right? Once you read about that or think about it, like we all slip into that autopilot. We all slip into that place where we treat mm-hmm. care like drudgery, where we don't feel good about what we're doing. We don't feel good about the way we're treating people. Like that's normal. That's human. You know, care isn't perfect, mm-hmm. but like you having that awareness, like, wow, I'm going down that spiral, you know? I feel myself going down there and I know that I can slip up to this other place in the middle where, where I think, wow, this is an honor. Look at these kids. Look at these kids trusting me. And sometimes we can get all the way up to the other part where it just really feels joyful and we feel (laughs) in the flow, you know, but it's not always that way. Right. And you have that natural sort of mothering instinct, you know, that you're taking care of all these other kids, but as mothers, we, you know, we get, we get in bad moods. We're uneven. We're (laughs) uneven. And and so care is hard. This is hard stuff. So just to throw someone out there and say, you can do this. Anyone can do this and treating it like it's uh, some task that is menial. Then it's so easy for us all to get dragged down Mm -hmm. by it. But it's also, like you said, to have that awareness and that shift and to, to do it with honor. I mean, that means so much to me that you're taking care of kids that way. It's what we all want for our children. It's what we want for our kids when they're in high school and they Absolutely. lose their sweatshirt or they're, they break up with their girlfriend. <laughs> we want to know that they're going to encounter right, someone right. in the hallway that really cares. Thanks. That would be beautiful. We need all the Melissa's. We do. Out there in all the schools. I have another thing. Um, <laughs> when I first started this job, uh, I had friends who were, um, like regular substitute teachers and that, you know, they were on the sub list and we needed lots of subs because teachers were getting COVID and, 
and whatnot. And so they needed subs really bad. So lots of my mom friends signed up to be uh, subs. And, uh, and I said, oh, do you think I'll ever work with you in the cafeteria? Because if one of us gets sick, we need a sub. And I had two friends tell me I had them take me off the list for lunch because I just, it's crazy. I just don't want to be in there. I said, please take me off your list. And I was like, oh, okay. Like they would rather be at school all day in a random in the classroom <laughs> than just in the lunchroom for like an hour or two. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. I don't yeah. know. Uh, or that we can't even get subs. And yeah. Yeah. it's interesting that the, the, the cafeterias are known as being those places that feel chaotic and noisy and overwhelming, right? Definitely. And you're rushed, like yeah. just, just by the, the nature of the schedule. Um, yes, that 20 minute lunch, 20 minute recess schedule is really tough. Um, sorry, I turned my camera off. I know I can see Melissa and, and Carol wondering what's going on because I had to have my husband bring my laptop charger in. Oh, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> that was thrilling podcasting for everyone listening. <laughs> I'm sure, but I had to explain what was going on. Um, he gets shy about the cameras. Um, well, I am now convinced that a pedagogy of care should be enacted and pushed up into all levels of education. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, yes. And we talk about the, the whole spectrum. What does it mean to care? Start like valuing what you do with your hands, that labor, that custodial care is how we build trust with others, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're holding the door for someone, when we're serving someone food, when we're helping someone put on a Band-Aid, whatever, whatever brings you into that, that custodial physical care, labor. And then the next layer is thinking about the attitude you have while you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you show you care while you're caring with your body and with someone else's body? Um, and then the next layer is this ethic. Like, how does this relate to our humanity? You know, how do we, how do we learn to respect the people who bag our groceries and the people yeah. who grow our food and the people who build our roads, and <laughs> all the invisible, all the invisible stuff that we take for granted that we can turn on our water. Like we're all connected all the time, mm -hmm. but every day we have this opportunity to, and when we honor that, that moment of, of care with another person to, to show our value. Yeah. For and it's, it's, de it's deciding to be that way. And Melissa, you talked about that. You talked about mm -hmm. that. You just, you had these the ways that you were thinking and you decided that this is what you wanted to try and do. And, um, I know that you're just a very mindful person in your life in general and sort of about being in the moment and thinking about your impact. So, um, so it doesn't surprise me that that connection has been made. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I love, I love, I love thinking of you as an ambassador for other people who are working in those roles in public yeah. schools and, the, yeah. and, and like, I know there are some companies, I, I, I want to say like the peaceful playground, there's a, there are some movements where they come into schools and they give that message to everyone. They give that message to the, to the people in the cafeteria and the playground and the buses and the hallways that everyone is contributing to this culture. And, right. and how do you build that true sense of care in your school, yeah. on your playground? And that's a great message for the 
um, like the, the, the teachers and the administrators, because I, I know that it's not always conscious or intentionally mean and, and not, it's not everybody, but I do also think there, uh, there are folks who think, well, I'm the teacher and what happens in my classroom is the important stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the janitor or that's the bus driver. And they just, I just need them to, to get through the schedule and get them back to me on time mm-hmm. and in a good mood. Um, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm sort of tired of hearing the word essential at this point, because we have all these conversations about essential workers and who's essential and who's not and upset that you're not included in the group, but we're all interconnected and we're in, in, interdependent to get through life period. But right. then you put yourself into that sort of institutional setting and everybody depends on each other to get through the day. Um, so why not value that? Why not assign some respect to that mm-hmm. and say, yeah, I'm teaching is poor, important and I have a lot of good things to do for children, but I can't do it for them without Melissa helping in the ways that Melissa helps. And um, I think you said Mrs. Holmes helping in the way that she helps. And um, it, it, it's on all of us to, to do it. it we is. can each make our little ripple, but it's on all of us to make it, you know, really that dream that we have. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's right this is so wonderful I don't know how to end it but I feel like (laughs) I feel like maybe it's time to wrap up well I think a good leader also can give a give a school permission to care Melissa absolutely like you have a leader who's given you permission yes that has said we value care yep that now you have autonomy and you have creativity to care in the way that you that you care Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I it, do. that is part of building the culture is having that permission and letting it. And, and I just was saying to Heather about something else. I have one teacher who's, who's modeling some, some really great stuff. And it's like, I could say it a million times about what I value, but if you have one practitioner modeling that kind of care, mm-hmm. it spreads. Yeah. I am very grateful for that autonomy and that, um, and, and the other lunch supervisors, we all have our own style and, you know, do have our autonomy. Um, There's not a lot of training or professional development, just, I think, due to the constraints of time and budget or whatever. Um, So in certain ways, I am doing my own professional development. Um, (laughs) And, and I am grateful for that autonomy because the way that I, I, am practicing care is different from my, one of my, you know, my coworkers. And then, you know, and that's fine. And, and as the year has progressed, I feel like, um, like a, maybe a month in, I, I, I was thinking like, you know, I really, I, I don't know how long I can do this job. It just is so taxing and no one, you know, the kids are disrespectful and I don't feel like anyone gives a crap that I'm there. Um, (laughs) And I don't, again, it's that shift and it seems like it's such a simple thing. And I I know it wasn't, but it, it, I'm going to say it again, it changed everything. And um, I'm looking forward to finishing the year with these students and Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss my third graders that are going to the middle school or whatever it's called intermediate school intermediate school yeah um and there's going to be new third graders and new first graders so I don't know I feel I've gone from feeling 
so taxed and whatever to feeling really grateful and, um, and, and getting to see the freedom that I do have in my role, mm-hmm. the autonomy that I do have. And I think that could be a shift for anyone in a, in a care role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important thing. I'm glad that, that, that came up, Carol, that you brought that up. And then um, Melissa, that you expanded on it a little bit because it does have to be sort of supported. It, it works best when it's supported yeah. by someone um, who has that power to, to say, yep, that's an okay thing for you to do. Yeah. And, um, and then you take that initiative. And then you take and- it and you go, that's great. Mm-hmm. Any last things that either of you wanted to say today that we haven't done yet? I just Melissa. want to say thank you for caring, Melissa, and through the pandemic and to yeah. all the other childcare people, teachers, mm-hmm. everyone working in schools mm-hmm. who's been caring for our kids. The bus drivers and the janitors and all That's those right. people who keep it running. Yeah. I, you know, I think especially the janitors, man. Yes. Yes. It's only because a, of yes. them that we can be clean enough. <laughs> It's so true. And our and our jan- our janitors come in the evening after we go home, you know. So they're truly invisible. Yeah. They're truly invisible, yeah. and they're so important. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. How do we talk to our kids about all the people who support us? You know, how do we introduce them to the custodial cleaners or the grocery bag baggers? <laughs> right. All the people that we take. How do how do, how do our children see see work? see this real work in our world and how do they value humans the humans that do it um yeah. you're making such a difference melissa and, so, and just like it's it's yes. huge for all those kids that get to have lunch with you hundo hey. p melissa hey Kay. <laughs> hey carol real quick when you finally get the book published maybe you can please develop a professional development curriculum for um like k through three schools in indiana <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah look up look up that peaceful playground and see what you think about okay it. yeah show your um show your leaders that program there peaceful are playground a, peaceful playground there are some she's on it on. she's typing it in right now there might, there's probably some more um initiatives happening but i remember that one was one that i was looking at when my kids were in elementary school cool. melissa you just need to start a book group when the group come when the book comes out oh Get yes Peaceful we just got to get the book into as many people's hands. No pressure, Carol. Yes, yes <laughs> I know. I'm trying so hard to believe that the timing is perfect and it's going to come out when it needs to yeah. come out. But it is. It is honestly at the printer. Yeah, yeah, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you both, um, Carol. Always, thank you for being on, and Melissa. It was nice. It's an honor. It's like Thank full circle now. I remember when, um, when Melissa, when you were first um, looking at the preschool for your uh, for your little one, and your first email to me of inquiry was like, I Googled your name and I found your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so intimidated. Yeah, I, I fangirled before I even met you. And I was like, oh my God, please. Uh, and um, I real quick, I said, I, we'd had an initial like really poor start for Gus at a previous preschool and um, because he wasn't obedient enough. And so I felt like, I was a failure as a mother. My child was broken. And when Heather met us the first time, she said, there is nothing wrong with your child. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, what did you say? You said something else. Another time you were like, who hurt you? Oh. <laughs> who did this to you, mama? Who hurt you? I'm 
come a long way since then. We all have. We all have. But I'm grateful for it. Tell Gus hi. Um, Okay. (laughs) Thank you both for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.